MSW Media. Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Today, the crimes behind the raid of Rudy Giuliani's home and office come into focus. Gates's wingman Joel Greenberg wrote a confession letter and tried to pay Roger Stone $250,000 to lobby the former guy for a pardon. As predicted, prosecutors are seeking a higher sentence for Derek Chauvin in the murder of George Floyd. The Arizona Secretary of State is sending observers to the cyber ninja audit of Joe Biden's victory as a judge orders the private firm to publish its methods. And an Oregon Republican is criminally charged for letting armed protesters into the state capitol. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back from the weekend, Dana. How was it? Did you it, did you have have a good time with your with your writing? Yes, I'm I'm still here. I'm actually recording from Big Bear, and um, I'm I did as you know, and the listeners are finding out right now. I gave myself a self-imposed writing retreat because I'm trying to finish a pilot, and I had writer's block in L.A. So, yeah, it's going well, and um, I'll get some notes back today and have another about 36 hours to work on it while I'm up here. So things are good. And how is MSNBC, Rockstar? Oh, it was awesome. I got to speak with Yasmin Vesuvian on her show today. She's amazing. And uh, it, it was, you know, I, I was actually, I was nervous, and uh, but I, I seem to be getting a lot of positive feedback. And it was just, it was my first time on MSNBC. So it was That's amazing. awesome. I'm sure you were great. Yeah. yeah. And I love that she helped, you know, she had me on to help draw attention to this issue of taking commanders out of the decision-making process mm. uh, when deciding whether or not to prosecute military sexual assault or sexual assault in the military. And I think that that's a huge, important issue. So I'm so glad that she invited me on to talk a little bit about that, as well as some of the national security stuff I discussed with Olivia Troy on the beans last week about, um, you know, the, the government accountability, the Republican accountability project. So it was re- it was a really good time. She's just such a great host. And, and I had a I had I had a fabulous time. Good, good. Hopefully first of many. Yes, hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, and let's see. Uh, stereo shows are back this week, Tuesday and Thursday at five Pacific, eight Eastern. It's Tuesday with Andrew Torres and Thursday with you, Dana. Yeah, looking forward. And also, newsflash, we have several free year-long premium Patreon subscriptions available thanks to those who donated them. There is no waiting list, so to sign up to receive one, there are plenty available. Head to dailybeanspod.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page. No wait. No waiting at the moment to get one of those donated year-long premium subscriptions. If you can't swing it right now, we have incredible patrons who, for just 36 bucks, have donated year-long uh, premium subscriptions to people who can't swing it. So if you want to sign up for those, again, that's dailybeanspod.com. And today I'll be talking to the author of House of Trump, House of Putin, and American Compromise, Craig Unger, about the crimes Rudy is caught up in. So while that is the lead story from the weekend, I'll be discussing it later in the show with Craig Unger. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I am ready to get to the news, Dana. How about you? I am. Let's do it. All right. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story for me personally, because I'm in Arizona today visiting my mom. Uh, the big story here, and it's a, this is a nationally a huge story, is the bogus audit conducted by a private sector conspiracy theorist funded by the Arizona Republican Party. Uh, these are the these are the cyber ninjas, uh, Dana, if you remember. Now, after a week of trying to get in to watch what they're doing, the ninjas, 
Secretary of State Katie Hobbs has uh, observers now in there monitoring the recount of these results, this total farce of an audit. Uh, When the 2 p.m. audit team began its work Thursday, an election machine expert and two election auditing professionals were on-site watching. The observers are Ryan Macias. He's the former acting director of certification and testing for the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. Pretty cool. Uh, Macias certified Arizona's voting machines. The two other observers are Jennifer Morrell, an election consultant with Protect Democracy, and Liz Howard, an attorney with the Brennan Center for Justice. Until Thursday, Secretary of State Hobbs was denied access to monitor the audit. A judge later ordered her office be allowed. Senate President Karen Fan, who is orchestrating the recount, and Hobbs worked out an arrangement before a noon deadline. And Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Daniel Martin said he was concerned that, quote, the rights of the voters in Maricopa County be protected, that he's concerned that they be protected, and ordered cyber ninjas (laughs) to hand over documents explaining the methods being used to review the 2.1 million 2020 ballots cast in the county, which includes Phoenix. The recount began last week. We've been covering it for you. This appears, this recount uh, result appears headed for a foregone conclusion. Months before the process started, Cyber Ninja's owner Doug Logan retweeted a message claiming that an audit would fine hundreds of thousands of new votes for Donald Trump. The Washington Post reported Thursday that Trump asked, he's down in Mar-a-Lago, being weird, giving speeches to tens of people every Mm. night about how (laughs) how the election was rigged. Uh, Apparently, he's asking multiple times a day about Cyber Ninja's. Uh, he's reportedly transfixed, obsessed by the by the recount and the examination of the ballots. But particularly, he's obsessed with the ultraviolet light, which some experts believe could damage the ballots, according to the Washington Post. Uh, in documents, Cyber Ninjas turned over in response to the court order, there is nothing explaining the point of examining ballots by UV light, according to the Arizona Republic, although I remember those commercials where they were using it to look for cat pee, so I don't know, maybe that's got something to do with <laughs> he it. He also thinks you could stick one up your ass um, to fight COVID, so he's not real good with UV lights in general, the former guy. <laughs> right, how about we inject disinfectant into the ballots and see how that works? Um, Now, voter groups and civil rights groups, including the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, sent a letter to the DOJ, Department of Justice, uh, on on Thursday, Merrick Garland, asking for federal monitors as well as the ones that Katie Hobbs sent in, saying that the ballots are actually in danger of theft, defacement, or damage. And remember, I brought this up last last Friday, Dana. I'm not so much worried that they're going to just fake some counts. I think they're going to try to damage or alter these ballots. Absolutely. And company workers have been spotted examining ballots with blue pens in their hands. They're only allowed to use red pens. Uh, Arizona's elections procedural manual states that anyone involved in a ballot recount cannot use pens with blue or black ink, which can be read by a ballot tabulator machine and could be used to change ballots or render them unreadable. You think Republicans would be used to using red ink and not blue ink anyway? It's weird that they've grabbed the blue pens this time. <laughs> the goddamn pen is blue. I just keep thinking <laughs> the of pen life. is blue. <laughs> Uh, In a letter to the top uh, official at the Justice Department in the voting section, five election experts from the the Brennan Center for Justice, one of those Brennan Center experts is actually in there observing now for on behalf of Katie Hobbs. But the Brennan Center sent this letter 
Protect Democracy in the Leadership Conference expressed deep concerns about how the audit is being conducted, warning that it has put ballots in danger of being stolen, defaced, or irretrievably damaged. Quote, they failed to ensure the physical security of ballots by keeping doors unlocked and allowing unauthorized persons to access the ballot storage facility. They also risk compromising the integrity of the ballots themselves using materials and technologies that will cause the ballot paper and marks to deteriorate, such as holding ballots to ultraviolet light without gloves. So that's what's going on. Uh, hopefully we'll get an injunction or so these Katie Hobbs folks are, will see something and we'll report it and, and get an injunction put on this stupid farcical exercise. Or maybe the Department of Justice will. I don't know, but we'll keep you updated. Yeah, who knew that the Department of Justice was going to have to start <laughs> fighting ninjas? But, but here we are, people. Here we are. Um, this next story, prosecutors are asking a judge to give Derek Chauvin a more severe penalty than state guidelines call for when he's sentenced in June for George Floyd's death, arguing in court documents filed Friday that Floyd was particularly vulnerable and that Chauvin abused his authority as a police officer. Now, defense attorney Eric Nelson, he opposed a tougher sentence, saying the state has failed to prove that those aggravated factors, among others, existed when Chauvin arrested Floyd on May 25th. I think he means murdered, but whatever. Even though Chauvin was found guilty of three counts, under Minnesota statutes, he'll only be sentenced on the most serious one. That's the second-degree murder charge. Now, while that count carries a maximum sentence of 40 years, experts say he won't get that much, and I think we all know that that's probably true. Prosecutors did not specify how much time they would seek for Chauvin. Now, under Minnesota sentencing guidelines, the presumptive sentence for second-degree unintentional murder for someone who does not have a criminal record, like Chauvin, would be 12 and a half years. So judges can sentence someone as little as 10 years and eight months or as much as 15 years and still be within the advisory guideline range. So to go above that, Judge Peter Cahill would have to find that there were, quote, aggravated factors. And even in, if those are found, legal experts have said Chauvin would likely not face more than 30 years. Now, in Legal Briefs Friday, prosecutors said Chauvin should be sentenced above the guideline range because Floyd was particularly vulnerable with his hands cuffed behind his back and he was face down on the ground and that he was intoxicated. Now, they noted that Chauvin held his position even after Floyd became unresponsive and officers knew he had no pulse. Prosecutors also said Chauvin treated Floyd with particular cruelty during the lengthy restraint, saying Chauvin inflicted gratuitous pain and caused psychological distress to Floyd and to bystanders. So we'll keep you posted on this. Uh, we'll see how the sentencing turns out, I believe, um, in, in June, right? Early June? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's uh, of particular importance, the distress caused to the bystanders. We, we saw them all testify, and they're, <laughs> I mean, they all witnessed that trauma. Uh, and yeah, And absolutely. that's one of those aggravating factors. We'll see if they uh, specifically... Um, amend or supplement this filing to to request a specific amount of, of years but you know right now as it stands with no aggravating factors like you said 12 and a half to 15 years with they don't expect it to go above 30 but 30 would be more than twice the the minimum sentence so yeah we'll see what happens uh, and from the Washington Post, the controversy surrounding the embattled representative Matt Gates. That's so nice of them to refer to him as the, the embattled rep Matt Gates. Took a wild new turn Thursday night because this, like this, a story doesn't already have enough wild new turns. Uh, the Daily Beast reported that Joel Greenberg wrote a confession letter implicating both of them in having sex with a 17-year-old girl, and perhaps not hugely surprising, Roger Stone is suddenly involved. Now, I want to say, Washington Post say Roger Stone is suddenly involved, but he's, he's already been involved. He's been involved. 
Yeah, if you re- if you remember, uh, Matt Gates made a payment to Drake Ventures for five grand, and uh, the day after the story broke, but. But now Roger Stone is involved even further back because the Daily Beast obtained alleged drafts of the confession letter that Greenberg wrote and text messages between Greenberg and Stone indicating it was all part of a plan to obtain a pardon for Greenberg from Trump. And Greenberg and Stone also reportedly discussed Greenberg paying Stone $250,000 in cryptocurrency because, of course, if the pardon (laughs) effort was successful, (laughs) which it was not. Uh, The Post has not obtained or verified the materials in the Daily Beast report, so no one else has seen this letter besides the Daily Beast. Uh, but the reporting leads to the very logical question, why on earth would Greenberg, Greenberg write such a letter? Uh, now, there is some reason, according to the Washington Post, for Greenberg to have specified exactly what he wanted to be pardoned for. Because there was all this talk about the former guy issuing blanket pardons for his allies, but right. he was highly advised against that uh, and, and wanted to do it for more specific crimes. Uh, and the Times also reported Gates sought a blanket pardon in Trump's final weeks of office. Both Both Trump and Gates have denied that. But the breadth of those pardons, like I said, was the, the blanket pardon strongly criticized. And it's very rare, really, blanket pardons. I mean, we saw them, you know, with Ford and Nixon and stuff, but pretty rare thing. Even if you accepted that Greenberg needed to say what he wanted to be pardoned for, his purported letter went beyond that in two key ways. First, it actually confessed. And second, it implicated Matt Gates. <laughs> He said, quote, Whoopsie. here's the letter. Uh, on more than one occasion, this individual was involved in sexual activities with several of the other girls, the congressman from Florida's first congressional district, and myself. Uh, so, yeah, instead of Matt Gates, it's the congressman from Florida's first congressional district. He went on to say, from time to time, gas money or gifts, rent or partial tuition payments. So if they were paying in drugs and gas money, it's literally ass, gas, or grass. Nobody rides for free. <laughs> Um, and you know, Greenberg wrote of this, this girl who was 17 at the time. Right. Uh, and he said from time to time, gas money or gifts, rental or or partial tuition payments were made to several of these girls, including the individual who was not yet 18. I did see the acts occur firsthand. Lord. And Venmo transactions, cash app or other payments were made to these girls on behalf of the congressmen. So, oh my God, why is he not in jail yet? So Greenberg witnessed it with his own eyes. Now, this alleged letter specifies Greenberg and Gates thought the girl was 19 at the time, but that Greenberg soon received a tip that she was, in fact, underage. And then he immediately called Gates and said, oh, shit, bro. And they cut off contact with her until she turned 18. Not forever, just until she turned 18. Cool. Uh, But let's just go with Occam's razor here and assume that this letter is weird. Because when it comes to Greenberg and Gates, we aren't exactly dealing with the brightest crayons in the sea. I mean, they used public Venmo transactions to pay for sex and actually typed in memos like ass or the love hotel emoji. So, I mean, mm, everyone's like, what's the strategery behind Greenberg's letter? You know what? He's just dumb. Uh, Those are my beans. But, you know, we'll see. Then there's the text messages, like I said, to Roger Stone. $250,000 for a pardon. In cryptocurrency, by the way. Uh, to you know, to lobby, they wanted Stone to press Trump for a pardon. Now, I want everyone to understand, it is not illegal to do this. Uh, given what I mentioned earlier about Gates paying Stone's company, Drake Ventures, $5,000, however, that's interesting. And given that Roger Stone is just a criming kind of guy, there's probably more here than meets the eye, but we'll stay on top of it for you. But it's important to note, it is not illegal to pay Roger Stone $250,000 to get him to try to have Trump pardon you. That is not illegal. 
it is illegal to sex traffic a minor. So yes. let's hopefully we get that proven. And I just, it's amazing this, the, the, the standard they held um, Al Franken to. And now this with Matt Gates, and he's still in the damn Congress. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. All right. Speaking of lawmakers, we have an Oregon lawmaker who let violent far-right demonstrators into the state capitol during a December 21st special session. They were um, session. He, that person was criminally charged on Friday with first-degree official misconduct and second-degree criminal trespass. So this is Rep. Mike Neerman, uh, Republican Independence, was caught on security videos opening a door and allowing demonstrators to just enter the building. He had been under investigation since at least January for enabling this breach, AG. Neerman is scheduled to appear in court to face the charges on May 11th. His attorney, Jason Short, could not immediately be reached for comment. Now, the first-degree official misconduct charge is for allegedly knowingly, knowingly taking action that constituted an unauthorized exercise of his office of his official duties to benefit someone else now that's according to court files so the second charge is for allegedly abetting another person to enter and remain in the capital those are serious charges the charging Mm. document was signed and filed in marion county circuit court on friday yeah. So this case is just getting fired up, and we're going to see what happens with this one, too. We have a lot of loose ends with a lot of these stories, but, you know, we always wrap them up for you. Yeah, looking looking into looking into this for months now. Just open the door and let them in. Uh, official. I, I think that, that I, something that strikes me about that charge um, is first-degree official misconduct, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... Uh, I don't know. It, the, the way they word it, it makes it sound like, can you be charged with unofficial misconduct? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. Mayhaps. We'll never know. Uh, anyway, I'll be right back with the author of American Compromise, Craig Unger. We're going to discuss Rudy Giuliani's criminal woes. There's a lot of stuff swirling around Marie Ivanovich and that first impeachment stuff. You, you're going to remember it all. It's gonna. We're going to have a refresher with Craig Unger right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG and this episode of The Beans is brought to you by Allform. Allform is my favorite furniture store because they let you customize pieces to fit your personal style. Allform crafts the most beautiful, high-quality sofas and chairs made to your specifications and then they deliver it directly to you with fast free shipping. You get to customize your own sofa using premium materials but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. And with Allform you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, which is great for pod pets. You can pick the color, the, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, and the shape, the configuration to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I picked out a three-seater sofa. I customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I could never have leather before in a house full of pod pets, but it's so beautiful. I got a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge on the end. It came in a couple days. I put it together myself with no tools, and I love it. It's roomy and modern, and my favorite part is it's designed to my specifications. And the one great thing about Allform is how fast they deliver you to, to you. Normally, if you want to order a new sofa, it can take weeks or even months to arrive, and then you have to have somebody assemble it for you. But Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail and like I said you can assemble it yourself in a few short minutes no tools needed all form has beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight seat sectional so there's something for everyone and you can always start small and buy more and add later if you want to move or your family grows and best of all you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it which is more than three months and if you don't love it they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund they also have a forever warranty literally forever so to pick up your per- perfect sofa check out allform.com dailybeans and allform is offering 20 percent off all orders for our listeners at allform.com dailybeans 
Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, as we know, two years ago, Kaludi Rudy got what he was looking for when, he, when Marie Yovanovitch was removed as the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Uh, Rudy was part of an effort to smear her and have her fired because he needed a clear path, I think, to collude with Russian-backed Ukrainians like Dmitry Firtash and Andrei Durkach. And as it turns out, Rudy was warned by the FBI that he was being targeted by the Russians because he's a useful idiot, but he ignored those warnings and disseminated Russian disinformation in the United States anyhow, and apparently did it without registering as a foreign agent. But with regards to Yovanovitch, not only was the FBI looking for communications between Rudy and Nunez aide Derek Harvey when they raided his home and office, nor were they only looking for communications between Rudy and his fraud guarantee associates, Parnas and Fruman, but according to a source familiar with one of the warrants, prosecutors were looking for evidence related to Ms. Yovanovitch and her role as the ambassador. Now, the key question here is whether Rudy was going after Yovanovitch solely for the benefit of the former guy, or if he was doing so on behalf of Ukrainian officials, or even himself. And joining me today to talk about everything Rudy was wrapped up in is the author of House, House of Trump, House of Putin, and his latest book, American Compromise. Please welcome Craig Unger. Craig, welcome back to The Daily Beans. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, when I saw this all going down, my first thought was, I have to get on the phone with Craig, because you uh, covered this so extensively, uh, and not only in your book, but just with, you know, with other journalists. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have learned over the past couple of years about what Rudy was doing in the spring of 2019 with regards to Yovanovitch, Fraud Guarantee, Furtosh, and Durkacz, that whole that whole group? Right. I, you know, I think it's worth going back to the beginning and looking at this with a sense of history. And uh, Rudy, in many ways, picked up the baton from Paul Manafort and is doing exactly what Manafort has done. And it's all under the guise of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which they sometimes obey and sometimes they don't and all that. But, you know, I, and, and it's done under the cover of lobbying and, and Manafort was, was, was such a, a powerful figure in this and becoming known as the, the lobbyist for, the, uh, for torturers all over the world, for dictators all over the world. And then he took on uh, Putin finally and, uh, and helped install uh, Yanukovych in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And when, when you look at what is actually going on, it, he is, you, you can see that they both, and I'm talking about both Rudy and Manafort, that they were really operating as intelligence operatives, highly, highly paid intelligence operatives. Manafort made, uh, got over $75 million uh, from Putin's cronies, from various, and when he went to jail, Rudy started sort of picking up, uh, picking up the baton where Manafort left off. And when we went through um, the first impeachment, there have been so many scandals. <laughs> it's, 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 you, I, I think it's not good to separate. You have to see it as one big sweep of history. And that here you have people who are Americans who, in my views, were, were being traitorous, really. They, they are carrying out intelligence operations for Vladimir Putin against the interests of the United States. And they're being very well paid for it. And it's done under the guise of lobbying or being a lawyer. I'm, these are my clients. Right. And I mean, we even know like two of the lobbyists that were involved with this quit their jobs. And uh, as we know, even Democrat uh, Gregory Craig, 
who worked he he worked with American journalists at the New York Times and Rick Gates and and Vanderswan to whitewash a report about Tymoshenko. You remember uh, Yanukovych's opponent, and so this is all interconnected. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about what you know uh, about the spring of 2019 and that that particular effort with because I you, I remember during the impeachment trial seeing text messages, uh, you know, on one of those secure apps going back and forth about uh, Yovanovitch's whereabouts. And, you know, she's not at her office right now. And you remember she got that call in the wee hours of the morning for security reasons to get on a plane and come home, that she was in danger. Right. Um, I mean, what was clearly going on is that Rudy had lots of business interests, so did all his friends. Uh, and, and the money was coming from people like uh, uh, Dmitry Firtash, uh, who, as I showed in, in uh, House of Trump, House of Putin, was an oligarch who was in partnership with Semyon Mogilevich, one of the great mobsters uh, who, who works with, still works with Russian intelligence and started out with the KGB many years ago. So you have all sorts of uh, very, very dubious characters who, who are spend, taking essentially money from the KGB and the Russian mafia some of it's, it's going uh, through people like Durkacz to uh, Tensing and, and, and the Genova who, who were working with Rudy, two lawyers working with Rudy. And effectively they're carrying out the order uh, operations that benefit both Russia and Trump and, uh, and their own business interests. And they've been doing this again and again. It's what, what the first impeachment was about. Uh, I mean, Susan Collins famously said, well, I think he learned his lesson, uh, which was true for about an eighth of a nanosecond. And they just continued the operation. And that's what Rudy has been doing. Yeah, just all of the interconnected pieces and parts of this that we've been hearing about slowly uh, over the years are, you know, now we've, we're seeing this in warrants that have been executed against him and Victoria Tonsing. I'm not sure why DeGeneva wasn't mentioned, but... You know, Rudy, for on for you know on the behalf of Trump and behalf of himself and his own corrupt business interests, wanted Yovanovitch out of the way because she was anti-corruption. And you know, I even remember Rudy having a meeting with the head of the criminal division who used to work for Alpha Bank, named Benchkowski. Uh, and he, he he was with Kirkland and Ellis, and that is the big law firm I write about in American Compromise. They represent Russians everywhere. I mean, this is, you know, many of them make over $10 million a year representing Alpha Bank or uh, Deripaska or whomever. But mm-hmm. uh, they had enormous, and, and uh, William Barr, and he brought, was, was with Kirkland and Ellis. Uh, Alexandra Acosta, who prosecuted, I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Jeffrey Epstein in the sweetheart deal of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that was all Kirkland and Ellis. The Epstein case, both the defense and the prosecution was Kirkland and Ellis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Rudy had met with Benchkowski and Barr was apparently there, although we didn't learn that until later. And, and he was trying to see if he could get his buddy Furtosh off the hook because of his pending extradition to Chicago and the crimes he's committed there, bribery crimes. So it's it's all just a, a, a huge sort of compromat party uh, going on. And I want to ask you about uh, Rudy's personal business 
uh, interests in Ukraine that he was trying to to push Yovanovitch out so that she wouldn't bring those to light. But I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Okay. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. If you've ever slept over at a relative or friend's house and had to toss and turn on some futon that felt like a torture device, then you know my pain. I have had trouble sleeping for the past four years, and I thought it was because of politics. But actually, I had a garbage mattress. It wasn't made to my specifications. But that is when I found Helix Sleep. They solved my sleep issues, and they've given me restful nights again. Helix recognizes that each of us sleeps differently, and they customize your mattress to fit the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep created an online sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. Like me, I was matched with the Midnight, the Helix Midnight. I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so that's the Helix Midnight, and it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with Craig Unger, author of the book American Compromise. You really need to pick it up and read it. It's, it's truly incredible. And before the break, I was, you know, we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, was Rudy just helping out the former guy or was he helping out his Ukrainian, some Ukrainian officials like Durkacz, for example, or himself? Do, uh, can you talk a little bit about what sort of personal business ties uh, Rudy has? Because remember, the three amigos went over there, including Rick Perry, and they have all this energy uh, sort of interest over in Ukraine. And it would have been really hard to 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 corruptly involve themselves if Yovanovitch was in the picture. Right. I mean, this is basically trying to take over a government and and use and steal its resources. And that's what uh, Putin has done in Russia. And it's what his cronies were doing in Ukraine. Uh, and when Manafort installed uh, Yanukovych, Yanukovych was do- doing it. And he was finally chased out of Ukraine. <laughs> and now here comes Rudy trying to do the same thing all over again. Uh, and uh, they've been trying to take, but things are not playing out quite the way they seem, I think. And 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 Rudy could, I mean, one of the very interesting things in this, and I, I don't know all the details of, of, of Rudy's personal interest, but is this the, the, the strand, strand of sweater that, starts to unravel the whole thing. And will Rudy, it raises the, the possibility, would he possibly flip on uh, on Trump? Mm. Which, yeah, well, he said it was his insurance policy, you remember? <laughs> and so, exactly. He later retracted that in a way. Uh, Michael Cohn has, has said he thinks Rudy will flip. I'm not so sure. I think Rudy may be one of these 100% guys like Manafort, who's never going to Yeah. I kind of think so too. And 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 tell us a little bit about Nunez a Derek Harvey. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was the one who who handed over the Ukraine peace plan, which is uh it, it was basically leasing the Crimean Peninsula to Putin for 100 years. I don't know how that's really a peace plan. Uh but uh, <laughs> uh Derek Harvey was involved in this and one of the warrants that was executed on on Rudy Giuliani was to find communications between Giuliani and Derek Harvey. Yeah. 
I, you know, I am not an expert on that. Um, I've, I've been more covering, uh, you know, when, when I look at Giuliani's relation to Ukraine, I, I go way back to the beginning. And one of the, the first things is he became um, very close to Semyon Kislyn, who, as I show in American Compromise, uh, was a spotter agent, according to Yuri uh, Schwitz, working for the KGB. And he was the guy who first opened the door to the KGB to Donald Trump back in 1980. And he later, uh, Kislin then became close to Giuliani as a big contributor to his mayoral campaigns. And he raised millions for his senatorial campaign in the, in the late 90s as a board of campaign then. So uh, Giuliani has a long history of being close to Ukra Ukrainians. Uh, he's indebted to them. And uh, through them, uh, uh, Kislin was, uh, close to the Chernois, who were a big part, uh, powerful oligarchs in the aluminum industry, sort of rivals to Deripaska. Uh, so this goes back to the whole Brighton Beach Russian mafia. And uh, it, it was at a time when Rudy uh, was first with the, the SDNY prosecuting the Italian mafia. And what, what you see coming out of this really is also their relationship Trump and Giuliani had very interesting relationships with the FBI and, and having people there who will cover their asses and the FBI being sort of deeply divided. Uh, and now uh, with them, so to see them coming after Giuliani this week is sort of astounding. Now, uh, the Washington Post and others have, have withdrawn some of the reporting about this. Uh, which is a shame, but it, it, so we don't know the full story yet on what has happened, but it looks like the FBI did have conversations. They did not necessarily, uh, the, the Post has retracted the allegation uh, that they were warning Giuliani he was dealing with bad actors in the Ukraine. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't just him, though, right? The, that reporting also indicated they were warning, you know, Ron Johnson and right. uh, and and others. And and so it's interesting to 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 see the whole picture, though, because like you said, Rudy didn't just stumble into this, uh, you know, with Trump. He's been involved with these characters for for quite some time. But you know what I think was really interesting was when. Steve Mnuchin, our U.S. Treasury under the former guy, sanctioned Durkacz and called him a Russian agent. Uh, I thought that that was uh, <laughs> a stunning tell. Well, it's also Durkacz's father was like head of Ukrainian intelligence. I mean, this is not uh, it, for anyone who who uh, has wet his feet in the area of Ukrainian intelligence and that kind of thing. Uh, this is well known. It's not not something that. Rudy had to figure out, right? I mean, uh, it, it's just sort of, it's like Putin was in the KGB. We know this, right? There's a, <laughs> you don't need to show me the documents. Mm -hmm. But this is beyond just violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act, right? I mean, this is way beyond that. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I, I feel the case was the same with Manafort as well. Here you have guys who are making really tens of millions of dollars to implement what are essentially intelligence operations on behalf of, of Putin. And, uh, you know, once you get in bed, uh, you know, we, we talk about all this stuff in the guise of, oh, the foreign agent, 
foreign uh, uh, registration act uh, and um, lobbying and K Street and all that. This is out and out an intelligence operation. That's what's going on. These are massive disinformation operations designed to sabotage presidential elections. Yeah, and if we frame Rudy's behavior as being compromised, it it everything sort of makes more sense. That's, I think that's how we have to think about it. I mean, we have to think about Nunes and uh, Ron Johnson and uh, any of the the Russian sympathizers, the the Putin sympathizers, as being as being compromised, which which they are. You know, like I said, he didn't just stumble into this because he's the former guy's lawyer. He's been involved in for for decades. Absolutely, I, I would love to know. I mean, how far uh, the DOJ will go in in pursuing all these people? We because we have an awful lot of people who are compromised. In fact, there are too many. I mean. I see this as going back to the 90s, certainly, and you have people like Dana Rohrabacher, the congressman, who sort of known <laughs> as Putin's famous congressman. But I don't think the full story on him has ever been told. Uh, and there are dozens and dozens of people like that, whether it's Rand Paul uh, or uh, whomever, uh, and so many of the Republicans. The entire party really has become like the party of regions. Uh, it, it's just run by Putin puppets. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like, like you were saying for, for, for so long, they've been involved. Uh, and, and we've always, we've been asking why all of a sudden have people just flipped around and, and rolled over for, for Trump. And uh, it, it, everything makes sense when you talk about compromised. And that's why everyone needs to read your book, American Compromot. There's so much in there. And House of Trump, House of Putin, too. I mean, it goes back so far. And it really helps put into perspective why these figures and politicians act the way they do. Right. There's a lot of cleaning up that has to be done. And uh, I think it's just starting to get underway in Congress. We have the Corporate Transparency Act that's uh, uh, um, it's, that's still in Congress, I believe. It's trying to tighten some of the loopholes. The, I mean, when you, the more you look at this, you see the, the weapons the Russians have used to corrupt people. Many of them are legal. And it's th through doing things like lobbying, through allowing uh, uh, money to be laundered through, uh, through real estate, uh, which the former guy did a lot of. I think, I think that's really how the Russians got their hooks in him way back in the 80s. Uh, and he made uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that way. And it was technically legal because it's very hard to prove how knowledgeable he was about the transaction. Did, what, did he know that the funds came from illicit enterprises? Yeah, uh, although I will say with regards to Rudy, if he, if he was in fact warned, uh, by the FBI, which I tend to think that he was, that he, he goes from being a useful idiot to a, to a, a winning asset, really. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, the, I, I mean, even with, with, with uh, Trump and money laundering uh, through real estate, he, he sold at least 1300 condos <laughs> through <laughs> means that appear to be money laundering it. That's mm -hmm. uh, through anonymous, uh, limited liability companies and in all cash transactions. 
you don't do that accidentally. <laughs> if you do that, you understand what is going on. You just, oops, I laundered money again. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a really the worst Britney Spears song ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really encourage everyone to read American Compromise. Uh, and it, it the, the in-depth analysis and, and the ties just go so far back, and there's so many. I wish we had hours to talk about it, but we don't. But I appreciate your time today. Craig Unger, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. Hosting this podcast has made me more inquisitive about unexplained mysteries of life, like why Rudy does what he does. Uh, how do cults of personality take hold? Why do some people have zero empathy while others are considerate and compassionate? Is Rudy a human of some kind or actually a lizard wearing a human suit? I don't know. But when you need a break from contemplating these big questions, it's time to take on a puzzle that is meant to be solved. <laughs> like literally thousands of puzzle-solving levels on Best Fiends. And unlike mulling over the mysteries of the universe, Best Fiends leaves your brain feeling refreshed and awesome. Best Fiends makes my brain feel invigorated, just like I got out of a steaming sauna or had a deep tissue massage in the frontal lobes. I love it. It's so fun. It's beautiful, visually stunning, absolutely wonderful. I collect characters. I level them up. I use them strategically. And I love the increasingly challenging puzzles and, like I said, that beautiful visual design. It has tons of puzzles to solve. And unlike other matching puzzle games where you have to do the same repetitive thing over and over again, Best Fiends has variety and, you know, strategy. The only downside, mm, sometimes I, I can't put it down. I'm already on level 2051, but there are thousands thousands of levels still waiting. And with Best, Best Fiends, there's something new to play every day. It's endless fun. You get these cute characters. I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And it constantly has new features that catch my eye. And I love the new updates. It keeps it fresh. And I really appreciate how they challenge. the challenges get harder and harder and they keep you leveling up. And your friends destroy the evil slugs, by the way, which are taking over. I also like the game. It has multiple ways of earning in-game currency along with new promotions. So if you're hungry for a near-endless supply of fun puzzles, the kind that challenge your brain and you enjoy solving, try out Best Fiends. Don't blame me if you can't turn it off. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. And that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. All right, Monday good news submissions. These are some of my favorites because people have had all weekend to think about them. If you want to submit good news or corrections or confessions or play what the mutt or tell us about a new swear that you love or an old swear that you love, uh, find the cat. That's a new game we're playing. We send us <laughs> photos and we have to find the cat. Uh, I feel like we should have a stylus so we can circle it, but we do not. But uh, yeah, send it all into us. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, I'll kick us off. The first one here is from Robert, and it's a correction. Robert says, I love this form. Your podcast is amazing. It kept me sane through the Trump era, and I listen to it every day. Thank you for the work you do. I have a correction. On Friday's episode, someone wrote in with good news that he had a low-grade prostate cancer, and his physicians correctly use a watchful waiting strategy. I hope this section uh, didn't leave listeners the impression that his cancer was cured by an alternative unproven therapy. I would just note that the alternative therapy has not been shown to cure cancer. I'm worried someone with cancer won't seek care and will wait until it's too late. I know you stand science and are awesome and want people to thrive. All right. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for that uh, submission. Yeah, I remember that um, good news submission. Um, you know, my dad had pancreatic cancer and sought, uh, you know, obviously 
science me- science-based medicine but also did creative visualizations and stuff and i think mm-hmm. that it really helped but yeah obviously you know we want to make sure people know that that those kinds of supplemental treatments and therapies are not intended to pre- prevent or cure uh, any diseases or take the place of things that are needed mm-hmm. okay this next one good news we have from andy pronoun she and her this photo popped in my facebook memories and inspired me to share Six was only five months old and weighed a scrawny 18 pounds when she was captured during a 2015 roundup of dogs living wild on Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. She gained 15 pounds during the three months she was at the Humane Society and about 25 pounds since we adopted her on October 2nd, 2015. It took her six months before she trusted us enough to very awkwardly ask for snuggles. This picture was taken that day. We did struggle snuggles. Hilarious. Before this, and not as awful as it sounds, every few nights I'd hold her in my lap and my husband would wrap us up like a little snuggle burrito and I'd pet her and whisper movie lines in her ear until she'd relax and fall asleep. Oh my God, I want to move in with you guys. Okay, but it took six months uh, for her to physically independently ask for snuggles. Love this sweet face. She was named Courage in the shelter, but even ironically, it didn't fit her. Somehow, having people walk by the house hearing us yell, six, 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 seemed more appropriate. She (laughs) and Baca, Pitt, Dane Mix, are kind of sweet on each other, but otherwise, Six has no tolerance for the other animals. I have to constantly remind her that I'm the alpha, not her. Uh, she's actually a very, very good girl and definitely a rescue success story. I welcome your guesses about her breed. She does have similarities to a terrier, but her coat is coarser and dirtier feeling than any other dog I've encountered. <laughs> this summer, I'm getting an um, I'm getting an Embark test done on her. Just, I'm just too curious. Oh, look, look at, at the that baby. sweet face. What a cute baby. And so I struggle I snuggles. Oh, that's so that's so wonderful. Six months. Well, also. I was thinking something else when Pastor Byers are going by the house and they're yelling six six six. I'm like, they probably think you're like the devil spawn, just yelling it out. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. I love this and I love that photo. Thanks so much for sending that in, uh, Andy. I appreciate that. Uh, next up from Mike B. No pronouns given. Greetings, Daily Beans. I have a misheard lyric. I believe is close to home to Daily Beans, the Daily Beans community. It wasn't until a recent good news segment I learned the lyrics to your opening theme aren't Beans Liz Faring. I just assumed it was a feminist reference I didn't get. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beans with swearing. News. It's actually news with swearing. Okay. Uh, I've attached photos of Lila. Lila was a stray that we adopted. A friend of ours was driving on a mountain road when she encountered a dead dog laying in the middle of the road. Turns out she wasn't dead, just resting. Oh, my goodness. The place where this happened was literally miles from the nearest residence. Since our friends already had a house full of animal residents, we volunteered to take care of her until her owners could be found. After a pretty exhaustive search, we decided to go from foster to adoptive parents. Our vet tells us she's a pure breed. Answer below. Oh, I need a bigger, better picture. That looks like a... Visla. Oh, sure. I didn't know if there was anything such thing as like a pointer hound. <laughs> uh, you know what? It it does kind of have hound ears and not Vesla ears, but I don't know what kind of hound that is. I, I'm not familiar. Let's find out what this is. Ooh, there She's you go. She's a red bone coon hound. You got it. Having fairly and fairly recently relocated to the South, you can imagine my relief to learn her breed name is not something I need to be angry or embarrassed about. Redbone is the name <laughs> of the original breeder, and Coonhound comes from the prey she was bred to hunt. Got ah. it. Thank you for that. Good to know. Okay, <gasps> this next one There's a is from Pickle Fanatic. There's a cat Pickle butt. Fanatic, pronoun yeah. she and her. I got my second COVID shot on Monday the 26th, and I'm finally recovered. My favorite misheard lyric, fuck 
the Casbah by Clash. <laughs> the Clash. I mean, who doesn't like fuck the Casbah? Uh, best swears. A friend of mine always said, "Fuck her mother, what say? Fuck her mother, what say?" All right, that's a long there one. There you go. My po- uh, my pet tax is Miss Mayhem Louise helping me spin yarn. Oh yeah, helping quote and is in mm-hmm. quotes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but look at that cat butt and it defeats this out. That's so cute. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Pickle Fanatic. Uh, next up from Mary Pronouns, she and her. AGDG and all the other awesome voices of Muller, she wrote, and Daily Beans, you have helped me survive the dark days of the former guy. I will be forever grateful. Your podcasts are always one of the first I listen to each weekday morning when logging into work. You have helped me manage the news. I stopped watching the news, local and national, since 2016. Hmm, what happened around that time? Hmm. So now I listen to NPR and podcasts. I was never a political person. I felt like all politicians were bad and there were some worse than others. Of course, now I see that that was just a way to distract us from paying attention to all the shenanigans going on right under our noses. Also, I live in liberal Massachusetts, so I was very naive about how the rest of the country operates and the st- at the state and local levels. My pet tax is find the cat. It's a find the cat picture of Dot. Dot, the happy cat, lived a very happy 18 years, but I had to let her cross the Rainbow Bridge just at the start of the pandemic in March of 2020. In May, I adopted two female cats, Lily and Lucy, who have brought me joy as I isolate at home, so we're now celebrating our first year together. Oh, I see him. <laughs> oh, my God. Dead center. How in the hell? I don't know looks photoshopped. I know it's not, though. There is Dot. There she is. God, I, I, I hope they were able to get her out of that tree. <laughs> so funny oh my goodness thank you so much for that so cute all right this next one's from brett pronouns he and him oh also several others have sent in this correction greetings and salutations Uh oh i look what i started i thought you would like to know in the fruit or vegetable debate you would also like to know according to botanist vegetables do not exist okay so i was tagged in this on twitter and i watched the video (laughs) and i was like what okay from a, from a biological standpoint, uh, what we call vegetables are really just parts of plants. So botanists just call them by their parts. Asparagus is the stalk of a plant. Broccoli is the flower. We're eating a flower of the plant. Kale are the leaves of a plant. Onions are the bulb. Carrots are the root. Tomatoes are the fruit. So when people argue about it being a fruit or vegetable, they cross between common culinary and botanical definitions Also, mushrooms, which are fungus, not a plant, get lumped into veggies and grains. Nuts are actually fruits, the plant's ovaries. Anyway, thank you for that, by the way. Anyway, for my pet tax, I've included ginger, fry, and cinnamon. Ginger and fry are two uh, two two-year-old brother and sister that we literally pick up from the shelter the day before lockdown, started in Minnesota. They are both high energy and playful and are constantly chasing each other around the yard. Oh my goodness. A picture just came up. We got cinnamon 15 years ago when we got married. Though small, she was strong enough that she would pull us on rollerblades or kids in a wagon and smart enough to climb gates and figure out ways um, onto counters. Though these days, she mostly enjoys lying in the sun and is somewhat deaf and blind. She still tries to keep the other two in line. Oh, my. These dogs, the way they're sitting together, I know. they're very cute. <laughs> they're so adorable. And, and the tiny chihuahua. Look at the baby. That's the... That's the that's oh, I think we're supposed to guess on these guys because I just... I, sl- I scrolled a little bit. I didn't pay attention to the breeds, but... Oh, uh-oh. The top uh, ones, I think we're supposed to... But yeah, the little... The little baby there. Uh, so we're supposed to guess cinnamon. I think so. I know there's c- some shepherd in here. Or ginger and fry. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they look. I see shepherd and I see ridgeback. 
Chow Chow because they're in everything. I'm just going to, I'm cheating when I say that. You know what? You've got it right this time, actually. <laughs> I scrolled. We've got 25% German Shepherd. We wouldn't, I didn't, we didn't guess the Belgian Melanoi because I'm not sure what that is. Well, a, a Malinois looks pretty much just like a German Shepherd. So, oh, a Malinois. Yeah. And um, we got 12.5% Chow Chow. So, Chow's, the Chows made their way over to these pups. And look at Cinnamon, the little Chihuahua. Yeah, that the Chihuahua's in charge of everything. And is a terrier mix. I wouldn't have guessed that. Mm, so cute. Nice. These are the adorable puppies. The two, yeah, they look like terrors, though. And I'm, I'm glad the Chihuahua keeps them in line. So thank you for that submission. And uh, finally, from Garden Hoser, pronouns he and him, funky butt loving remains one of my favorite swears. In the classic movie Rookie of the Year, the doctor gets hit in the face by a kid and exclaims, funky butt loving. It's perfect for every situation from a stub toe to bad Wi-Fi connections. Maybe give Funky Butt Loving a try. There you have it. <laughs> Thank you so much there for that. There you have it. <laughs> uh, those were the good news submissions, corrections, and confessions. Thanks for sending them in. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear more about the great vegetable fruit debate of 2021. It's so fun. Hey, AG, before we go, just an announcement for the, the folks at home. I have a show on Wednesday. It's called Gazer Us. It's a stand-up, so you can get tickets on Rush Ticks, T-I-X, and on Wednesday, you'll see the picture of the adorable Aaron Foley, and you can go buy tickets there. I'll be headlining with a, a comedy set at the end, followed by a QA. and a Aaron is going to do a Q&A with me. Normally, it's the other way around, and I Q&A people, but with me, and you'll be able to enjoy that, so if you want to virtually go to the show, you can go to Rush Ticks and get them for Gazer Us on Wednesday night. What time Wednesday night is it? Oh, that's a good damn question. I think maybe 6 p.m. Pacific? Yeah, that's usually the good time that they do, because it, then it's not too late on the East Coast at 9. Yeah. But uh, Rush, Ticks, Rush, Rush Ticks will have more information. So, yeah. But yeah, awesome. That's going to be an awesome show. I look forward to joining as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, everybody, uh, please, until tomorrow, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um... My favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. 
lives beneath the ocean that's where i will be beneath the waves the waves and that's where i will be i'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea yeah there you go although were they talk what was he whale watching is it really that obscure (laughs) you won't answer any questions about their lyrics i've asked multiple times oh my god the best i I love their oh go ahead go ahead the best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, Birdhouse in Your Soul, which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a little birdhouse. Point of soul. view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. 